Hey guys, welcome to a new podcast called Penn Daily, brought to you by The Daily Pennsylvanian. On Mondays, we're going to be talking with sports editors and sports staffers about what's happening in the world of sports at Penn and what happened over the weekend. On Wednesdays, we're bringing in 34th Street editors to talk about different campus and cultural events you can attend. And on Fridays, we're going to be bringing in some news people to talk to you about what happened in news in that week. I'm Alec Druggan, your podcast producer. In future episodes, you'll also be joined by Isabella Simonetti, the DP president. In this first episode, we're going to be bringing on a sports editor and a sports staffer to talk about what happened in men's and women's basketball over the weekend and what it means for their chances at an Ivy League title. Today, I have two special guests with me. Will you guys please introduce yourselves? I'm Michael Landau, and I'm senior sports editor for the DP. I'm Joey Pye, and I'm a sports associate and sports reporter for the DP. Okay, guys. So, uh, Landau, what are we going to be talking about this week? We're talking about uh, the Penn men's basketball games against Yale and Brown from this weekend, the Penn women's basketball games against Yale and Brown as well um, this weekend up in New England. So starting with men's basketball against Yale, um, what do you think really showed off the team's strengths with that game since they won at 69-61? to 61? Well, I think the biggest part was the beginning of the game and the end of the game. I mean, that's pretty simple to say if you look at the box score, but coming off, you know, loss the previous night, they came out really hot. They had a sort of different starting lineup they hadn't used of two bigs with uh, putting Jared Simmons into the lineup with A.J. Brother. And they got up 11-3 very quickly, sort of were taking it to Yale early. And Yale's, you know, has been the best team in the Ivy League all year. So that was almost a little bit surprising. And through the middle of the game, Yale started coming back. Penn started having more issues on the offense, which wasn't, you know, super surprising, sort of given the way things had gone. Penn still doesn't have Ryan Bentley. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't sort of a shock to see that happen. But then, you know, they were down five points with just under five minutes left, and then they break out on a 16-3 run to end the game, which it was just really strong play on both sides. They, you know, after sort of struggling to contain, contain some of Yale's players, um, particularly Paul Atkinson earlier in the second half, and that's how Yale got their lead, you know, they were able to lock down, force, I believe, four turnovers late, which was very helpful for some tough shots and only let up one shot for the rest of the game then and then on offense you know they stalled really for a while and then AJ had a few threes which is kind of surprising because I'm not sure I'd seen him make a three in months really he that's not you know it's not his game he's usually interior but he got a few open looks and hit them and then he Scott had a few open looks and hit them and he hasn't really taken tons of outside shots all year, and he hadn't even been getting tons of minutes until very recently. So those two guys really came through. And, and AJ isn't surprising. He does it every game. But Eddie Scott, it was definitely his best game of the year, one of the best games of his entire career. And he hit a three late that put them up six that really really put, put them in really good shape and then more good defensive possessions, and that was it. Joe, anything to add on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, Landon and I were talking about this a little earlier with Penn. Um, AJ Broder has been their consistent player for years, and they do rely on him every game, but they also need someone to step up as well in addition to AJ Broder, and that was Eddie Scott last game. And with Ryan Bentley out, it's been, it was interesting to see who would step up. Would it be Jordan Dingle, who had an off game, or would it be one of the bigs coming in, Jared Simmons? But it, it was Eddie Scott. He stepped in, made some big shots. And like Landau said, AJ Broder even stepped up and went above and beyond his strong interior play and even went to outside and started making threes. And so the whole team really sort of 
had to adopt. It was really a new sort of, not new, but just a different pen squad and just a different way of playing what we've seen so far this year. So the Yale game was kind of a, a unique game, but definitely a fun one to watch too. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, Okay, let's talk about Brown and then let's talk about what these two games mean for Penn and the Ivy League Conference. Brown was pretty bad and pretty surprising too from sort of just seeing it. I mean, it seemed early. You know, Penn's on a five-game winning streak coming in on Friday. And, you know, the Browns are a good team. They've been winning some games. So you, you, you think Penn's the better team in that game. And they come out and they look like the better team for, you know, the first 19 minutes. They're up by 11 with less than a minute to go in the first half. And then suddenly everything falls apart. Uh, Brown got five straight points at the end of the, you know, end of the first half and then took all the momentum. And then the first 10 minutes or so of the second half, it was just no one could do anything right on offense or defense, really anything. And so it ended up being a 28-4 run for Brown. And that was basically, you know, that was basically it. The game was over from then. There was pretty much no coming back from that. It, I mean, it, that kind of exposed, you know, where 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 Penn could fall short, I think. On offense without Betley, they just, there wasn't much of a shooting threat. They couldn't really get inside when they were doubling AJ. And then on defense, Brown's guards were really sort of penetrating inside. Dev Goodman really didn't have his best game defending outside, which he was much better on Saturday. But he and the other guards really struggled, I thought, uh, sort of defending on the perimeter. And they got just easy buckets inside, and that was the game. So what do you think Penn can do to mitigate Betley not always being present? Well, I think they have to they have to find someone that can step up and be that threat on the perimeter. I mean, this is a team that, that likes to drive to the basket or they like to shoot threes. They like to play inside and outside. And when you don't have that strong outside presence, and AJ can't get things going inside, there's really not much left on offense for you to do. So they have to find someone to be able to step up and make those big shots, make those threes, and be a threat so people are going out, closing out so defenders, then come out and open up opportunities for AJ inside. So it all sort of works works together in a way. So they need to find someone like Eddie Scott on Saturday to step up, make some big shots outside. They need someone to do that every game. And when it doesn't happen against Brown, you see what happens when AJ loses those inside opportunities, and then the whole offense just sorts to fall sorts to start to fall apart. And against Brown, when you are a better team like Penn was, it sort of takes everything falling apart for you to have to lose that game. That that is what happened. Do you think Eddie Scott can continue to do what he did against Yale and be that outside man that Penn needs? I I don't know, I think is the only answer I can give. I you know, I would hope. I would hope, because he looked really good and he had a consistent performance all game. He's been performing better as of late, but you never really saw him as like an outside shooting threat, and he made a couple big threes. And it's sort of, you know, it's hard to know if like he's going to continue good shooting and he and, and, and he can knock down threes consistently, or you know, if he just came through in the clutch that time and is you know going to not necessarily revert but go back to a more normal level of production there. I mean, there were a couple games early in the season when he was doing well, and then he didn't play great to the point where he, he lost his minutes, lost his, his, his spot in the starting lineup. So not totally sure. And it's good to be hopeful, but I think you need to see more before you really say that. Yeah. I think it, I mean, we've seen Max Mars step up a few times that we've seen Jordan Dingle early in the year. He hasn't been sort of the same throughout the middle of the year here, but it's sort of been, um, by committee, it's the person that stepped up each and every game. Normally, it was Ryan Bentley, but when it hasn't been, it's been 
Dev's had a big game or Max Martz has had a big game. It's really been a team effort on that part. So Eddie could have strong performances like this, but then again, someone else could come out and hit a couple big shots. Cause that's really all it takes is a couple shots strung together for them to have that big performance. Yeah. Okay. What does this mean for Penn Ivy league conference, Ivy league tournament? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. If you look at the Ivy league now, there's, there's a clear top five in the bottom three Dartmouth, Cornell and Columbia are just out. They're done. I believe terming, you know, top four teams, they are all at least three games back. So they're, they're not going to make it, but the other five are all either have six wins or five wins. Penn's one of the three teams with five wins. So they have a chance of getting the, you know, they have an outside chance of getting a top seed winning a regular season title, but there's also a chance of them not making it all to the Ivy League tournament. And, and I think the most likely scenario is somewhere in between that they end up taking a three or a four seed into the tournament if things go normally. But they have four row games coming up. Um, take care of business against Dartmouth on Friday, you'd think you'd see them do. And then you have Harvard, Yale, and Brown, three games in a row. And those are the big ones. And really... If you get an away win over Harvard or a win over Brown, in all likelihood, you get the tiebreaker over those teams if you're able to win that other game. And if you lose that game, the likelihood is that you you might not get that tiebreaker. So those two games are very important. I think if they win either one of those two, they're very likely to make the tournament. If they lose both of them, they're putting themselves in a really tough spot. Okay, um, that covers... Men's basketball for the week. What about women's basketball? A uh, great win over Yale. Held them to 52, right? 51. 51. Yeah. I, w- I was going like the over, you know? We do math differently where I'm from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, what do you think about the women's season so far? Um, Are you excited for these upcoming games this week? Well, it's been it's been an interesting season for the women. I mean, they started out, obviously, best start in franchise history, and then they sort of they, they lost to Princeton. It was um, 20 points or a little over 20 points. I'm not sure the exact score now. But from there, they sort of they dropped a couple in a row, four in a row. But they've gotten on track. I think they have five conference wins in a row right now. And they're they're looking to keep building that. They seem to be running pretty well. Alaya Parker's sort of gotten back in the swing of things after a slow start to the season. Kayla Padilla continues to be strong. And really, it's been Kendall Grisella and Phoebe Sturba who have been sort of consistent throughout the whole year and has helped that team be as consistent as they are. But it's definitely been an interesting season, just the ups and downs. But they're looking like they definitely have a chance to be in Ivy play and, and make the tournament and have a strong chance there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think unlike the men, they're basically at Ivy tournament lock at this point. They're 5-2, and two, and the I mean the women's Ivy League is more top-heavy. You know, you have teams, especially Princeton, I think, is a top 15, top 20 team nationally. So it's very top heavy. You've got some really top teams up there. But they don't have the sort of depth through the league that the that they have in the men. So at 5-2, and two, they're basically a lock. The question is, can they keep up a high level of play? And can they find a way to compete with Princeton? Because it's going to, you know, if they can't beat Princeton, there is essentially no way unless some barring some crazy upsets and things happening that they'll be able to win the Ivy tournament, make it to, to March madness. So they've got to figure out a way they've got a game in about a week and a half, um, just a little bit over a week at Princeton to see if they can improve on their performance early in the year. And I think that, you know, they're against Harvard Dartmouth at home this weekend, but I think that game will against Princeton will really show you, uh, their potential going forward. 
What do you think they need to do to overcome Princeton and basically Bella Allery? Well, um, last time when they played Princeton, it was, I mean, obviously the matchup going in was Bella Allery and Alaya Parker. Who's going to win? Who's going to who's going to win that matchup? And it, and it was Bella Allery. She it, she was very dominant in the post. She sort of bested Alaya both offensively and defensively. But that was during that time where Alaya was off to a slow start and really didn't have a rhythm and wasn't playing with the confidence that she is now. And so I think that the biggest thing to watch for in the second Princeton game, what will be key for them, keeping up with them, will will be can Alaya slow Bella Allery down and can she also sort of dominate in the post and score as well? Because we know Kayla's going to score, we know Phoebe's going to score, but can Alaya sort of best Bella in that one-on-one matchup? The one thing that I would add, though, is that Princeton is not just Bella Allery this year, which is the issue. I mean, she hasn't even been their leading scorer in a lot of the Ivy League games they've played. Carly Littlefield was, you know, first team all Ivy last year, and she's probably even better this year. So you have a great outside threat, a really elite guard there, and then you have Bell on the inside, along with a lot of other great pieces in the starting lineup and off the bench, and, you know, it's just hard. I, they're just a really talented team. I think they can make a late run in March even, so it's really hard. They're going to need a game plan well. They're going to need everyone to put in the top performance and just hope that that comes together once they get to March. But again, I think that how they play against them over over a week, how they compete will be interesting to see.